This is Kenny Omega. We're listening to One Nation Radio. Check it out, guys. These guys know what's up. Big Kenny Omega fans. That's all that counts to me. Goodbye and good night. This is Mike Sempervivi from WrestlingObserver.com. Check me out on Wrestling Observer Live every day. And also check out your boys, Rich and James, on One Nation Radio. Woo! now rocking with One Nation Radio. Welcome to the program. James Boy, Rich Aladdin, and a couple friends. With the show for your wrestling needs. Shopping off the rest of the IWC. We gon' tell her how it is. We gon' shoot from the hip. If they putting out trash, we gon' rip from the bitch. Make sure that you tweet us and you rate the shows. Tell a friend to tell a friend I'll let's get it on the road. Hey. One Nation Sports, One Nation Sports, One Nation Sports. Welcome to One Nation Radio. And now, here are your hosts, Rich Latta and James Boyd. And thank you for listening. SocialSuperFlex.com. BWB, what's up? And welcome to the November 19th edition of One Nation Live. James, what's going on, man? Not too much. Hey, uh, Rich, uh, Erica Badu is 46 about, right? That sounds about right. Yeah. Um, he's, he's looking real... Weathered. Wonder, real wonderish. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 you know, you like to make jokes about Erica Badu ruining great rappers. As far as their music and the direction where they go after that, like I, I understand, I understand going in that direction. Um, but anyway, yeah, uh, uh, and joining us, happy to, happy to be here. Yeah, so joining us today is uh, Dave Fenichel from LordsOfPain.net, uh, the the main page. What's going on, Dave? What's up, man? Happy to be here. This is uh, my favorite weekend of uh, of the year for wrestling so far. Let's make it happen. Yeah, man. And, and Dave Fennishow is not banned from this show, uh, if you were listening to this, Chad Matthews. So you always have a home here, Dave, to come to come spew your um, <laughs> your, your your different thoughts uh, on wrestling, you know, from the rest of the uh, community. Uh, but, yeah, last night was uh, NXT TakeOver War Games. Uh, first time we've seen a War Games match in uh, WWE. Uh, if you want to call it a War Games match, Josh last night got on the show and he was saying this, we did not see a War Games match. Uh, last night it was um, <laughs> you know it was what it was but uh, James you like you want to jump in like if that's not a war games then what is it bungee jumping like, <laughs> like the only difference is it doesn't have a roof on the top like I'm sorry it, it's it's a war game they also had shark cages out there too uh, and also um, <laughs> Dave uh, first one, we're gonna go to you what, what did you think about the war games match and, and the card overall you know, it's funny. So are we analyzing this card based on NXT standards or just objectively this was a wrestling card that we watched? It, it was re- Last night it was wrestling. You know, what'd you think? If, 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 it's a re- if we're just analyzing it by the standard of it's a wrestling card that we tuned in to watch, it was a good show. They had, you know, three matches somewhere in the four-star range and then another one that wasn't that far off. You know, the only real complete miss was the opener. Um, there was a lot of solid wrestling on there, you know, and that's what NXT does. Even when the product isn't, you know, where where you ultimately like it to be, it, it still delivers in the ring. And, um, you know, on that standpoint, you know, I think as far as NXT specials go, the, the bar is set so high, especially after the last one in Brooklyn and that. It's tough to live up to because, you know, one of the biggest problems they have is the roster just keeps getting eaten up and uh, they have to, you know, continually create new stars. And with the brand extension being the way that it is now, 
Uh, people are moving up to the main roster twice as fast as they used to. So I think they're in a transition period right now. You know, they're in the process of trying to create new stars, which they did a pretty good job of last night, if I have to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I think that we could be in for a couple specials now, including last night, that are good shows, but maybe not quite on the standard that we expect. James? Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree with uh, Finchel as far as, like, they definitely are consistently asked to turn out WWE's future um, toys that Vince will, you know, may or may not actually, like, know how to use them, but whatever. Um, <laughs> I, I think I think the main thing for me is, like, I think some of that, some of what he's talking about as far as they're, they're going to reach a point where it might be, you know, they might not be able to bridge the gap with like the talent, the master star power. Right. I think some of that. I think some of that in, in storytelling fashion will come back whenever, uh, whenever uh, Tommaso Ciampa uh, gets cleared and he can start back with uh, Gargano. Mm-hmm. I think that'll be a huge. I think that's definitely what w, what uh, NXT is missing as far as like an emotional, like investing storyline. Um, I think, I think once we when we get the eventual Ember Moon versus. Uh, Kyrie match, I think that will be there because they did a good job protecting Kyrie from where like she's not the one that takes the finish. She basically is running in to try to break up the pin, but it's too late. So she, she seems like the natural next contender for the title. Um, I I think I think we might be in a spot to where like they're they're able to stay afloat for now. I don't know what happens with um where Velveteen goes from here now that he's you know pretty much been made. Yes. Um, as a person that serves me on takeover, you know, just as just as a, as a regular on takeover, um, I don't know what happens with all the faction, faction all the faction stuff. Um, I, I guess they can still go back to Sanity versus uh, ALP because I mean, this is what the second pay per view that uh, second uh, takeover they've done and it's been great. But uh, you know, we this is a weird thing where like we we give them the benefit of the doubt and in every single time they've been able to pull through so like right up point now to where you know their TV or their star power it keeps lacking and, and it keeps going down and dwindling and dwindling and then it comes time for the big show and the big show always works out so um it's like we gotta tr- just trust them at, we, at a certain point keep, we, yeah we're gonna have to keep trusting them until they until they prove us uh until they make us fools yeah, and I and I feel like this is something that has always happened throughout um, the history of NXT. Uh, you know, for the longest time, I was like, yeah, man, NXT TakeOver Brooklyn was when NXT changed forever, the first one. Like, there's like, yeah. you know, there are different eras, and, you know, it takes a little while for it to get going, but, you know, um, <clears throat> and this comes back to McIntyre, like, not... Like I, I think McIntyre like has a, a lot more potential on the main roster than he does in NXT, but he wasn't the like transcendent NXT star like a Kevin Owens was, the Finn Balor, Sami Zayn, Bailey, Sasha, Charlotte, um, Nakamura. He wasn't one of those yeah. guys. And Agreed. and the deal with it, uh, I think that kind of contributed to his shorter title run. Uh, and I'm very excited to see uh, almost get that chance. If you talk about a guy that like kind of fell flat on his face, and he he you know. When he was introduced, it was like, "Hey, uh, love him! Don't you guys already love him?" Like he was going to be like one of the other ones. Like, and then the you know crowd was like, "Nah, we don't." And <laughs> they had to find like another uh, you know move with him. But um, you mentioned Velveteen Dream, James. 
last night a motherfucking star was born in the Velveteen Dream. Uh, me being a huge Prince fan, I've always I've been all in on the Velveteen Dream from day one. Uh, Dave, what did you make of the presentation, and like what what did you see from uh, Velveteen Dream going forward that may be uh, that may lead you to be excited, or anything that you know you, we need to be cautious about with them? Um, from an NXT standpoint, what's not to like? I mean, you know. Uh He's got everything. He's got everything it takes. You know, uh, I'm a huge fan of both him and Alistair Black. I think both guys are the the, fir- the not so distant future of the NXT main event scene. Um, you know, like any character that succeeds in NXT, I have concerns once they reach the main roster because I just think the type of characters that are promoted and pushed well in NXT don't necessarily connect with the main you know the main audience quite as well as as you would think i think there's there's definitely a gap there but uh as far as you know nxt goes i mean i think that you know i'm excited to see him in a big angle for the next nxt special and that's really all you can ask for i don't know what that big angle is going to be but uh i'm I'm excited to see it james what did you make of the rise of the velveteen dream this this is essentially the sunrise uh i might add of the velveteen dream (laughs) yeah i Okay, so like there's there's obviously there's '90s Shawn Michaels, there's '80s Rick Rude, uh, there's there's '80s Prince, obviously early '80s Prince. Um, I think the thing for me is the athleticism is there. Uh, some he's just he's working on some of the polish. Like he's looks, he's still like his, some of his like strikes and offense. It's still kind of um, not all the way there yet. But he's only been, you know, as you said, like he's only been wrestling for a short amount of time. Um, I think this is the second time I've ever seen him. We saw him at an NXT house show in Tampa. I forgot who he was up against. It was somebody that met, that was good. It was Austin uh, Aries. It? it was about a year and a half ago. It was, it was him and Austin That's Aries. Right. And I want to say they had right. about a three and a quarter match, like at one of the NXT house shows that those dudes yeah. kind of normally just mail in or whatever. And those yeah. guys really went out there and worked hard. So I'm not shocked at all um, with, with Velvet yeah. Dream. Yeah, like we saw. I think was this before the Velveteen thing, or was it was, or was like at the beginning of it? And he was still trying to find his way to actually like putting, being able to put that on TV. Nah, he was still Patrick Clark back then. Okay, that's right. So athletically, it was there. Uh, he, he has a bit of a natural thing. He just he, there's just, there's just Ron is there. Uh, but over time, you, you would imagine. Um, and you know how it is with NXT. Guys get to, get to practice their matches. It's not like they're on the on the on the on the road all of the time compared to the main roster. But given time, like that dude is a blue chipper. Yeah. Um, it just depends on where this goes from here and um, how viable that how how viable and pliable he can make that character uh, for the mainstream. I think or the main roster. I think he. I think there is something to it. Uh, I think that you know. You know, we're I'm, I'm you know I turned thirty um, in, a, in a like ten days or whatever. Uh, so I remember a lot of stuff that a lot of people that you know they say that they're they're striving to have you know younger fans. Younger fans will not remember Rick Rude. Yeah. So like that could be something that you know can be paying homage and also as a thing that you know for younger kids they they not they don't really recognize unless they hop on the network and go see him fight the Ultimate Warrior. And you think as oh that's kind of you know cool or whatever, 
So we, you know, we'll see where this goes, but I think the sky's, I think this, you know, I think the sky's or the ceiling's pretty high for him. Yeah, he's only 22 years old, and Jay, uh, Jeremy and Josh and I were thinking of WrestleMania entrances, Prince theme uh, entrances for him, like, you know, especially if it's an outside, like, or they, they can make it like it's raining, they can do, you know, have him come out in the most ridiculous outfits possible, um, the sky's the limit for this guy. Like I thought, the storyline was absolutely brilliant uh, with the whole "say my name" thing because it just like resonated. Yeah. Like as far as like, yo, it was like if it's, you, it's, it's, it's real. It's like <laughs> it's universal. It's like I want respect. I, yeah. I want respect. Like that's just really simple. I want yeah. respect. Yeah. Um, Lars, I guess we can talk about um, Lars Sullivan and um, Cassius Ono. Uh, I definitely enjoyed the Duke jersey as a Dave Fennel show, I'm sure. James, you know, w- was hating out here, um, essentially. The Dukies, baby. Yeah, number one. Um, how, how was I hating? I was like, oh, he's wearing a Duke jersey. Okay. Yeah. Like, I don't, like, I was still rooting for Cassius Ono. I just thought he made a bad decision. That's all. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Uh, what, what did you make of, make of this? You said it was a miss, Dave. What what, what missed on this for you? Uh, everything, really. I mean, the crowd <laughs> didn't care. Um, you know, neither guy brings anything to the table for me. I'm sorry. Lars is just a big dude. Like, I don't look at him and be like, oh, my God, he's so massive. You know, like, even when you first saw Braun Strowman, he was kind of stupid. But you could see some of the stuff that he did and, like, just how big he was and, like, the specific look he had. And you're like, well... There's something about that guy that jumps off the page, you know. I might not necessarily like him, but there, there's something there. I don't see anything there with this guy. He's just a guy, and um, you know, I I I understand that you know Chris Hero was very popular on the Indies, but that just hasn't carried over to the NXT audience. He's also just somebody who's taking up space right now. Um, I think that the WWE realizes this is never going to be somebody they're going to push. Uh, he's being used as enhancement talent, for better or for worse. He seems to be happy to be collecting a paycheck, um, you know, for, for what he does. But, um, you know, I mean, he's not the most athletic guy. He's a really athletic guy for somebody who looks like he does. You know, he basically is in my shape, which is not a compliment. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know? And, and uh, you know, I, I feel like on one side I should really identify with that, but I just don't. I don't. I just, I don't know. I feel like people give him too much credit because he is a big dude, you know, and he's not in great shape. And he does some cool stuff for somebody who's that big. But when you really compare him to, like, the super high-quality wrestlers that we have on a regular basis right now, he doesn't stand out at all. I wouldn't even say he's average. I'd say he's a tick below average compared to what we're seeing on NXT and, and on, uh, on main roster these days. So, um, you know, that it, to me it just didn't work. I think that that match could have worked in a different position, you know? If they had a really red-hot feud that was building up to it, great. Um, and not as the opening match, you know? You, the opening... Alistair Black versus the Velvet Gene Dream would have been a perfect opening match. The opening match needs to fire the crowd up. You know, one of the things that happened with TakeOver 3 was that Gargano and Almas just absolutely lit the world on fire in yes. the first match. And when that happens at a show like that, the crowd is so pumped, they can carry some other matches that might not quite be that... For, for a while, you know? So if this was the second match on the card, after Black and, and the Velveteen Dream had torn down the house, maybe they would have had better luck because the crowd would have already been up for it. But instead, what I uh, what I felt like was that we were just watching them do their thing, waiting for the real action to start. Right. Uh, James, you... You um, what, what did you make of, of this Haas division uh, style match, and, and Lars Sullivan in particular? Yeah, like, 
I'm okay. So I've heard so many good things about about uh, Chris Hero over the years, especially from um, Josh. And Josh is a person that someone I trust with with stuff that I have not seen. Um, they, they basically give me a kind of a more more of a reference to how good someone is or whatever not or whatever. And he told me, you know, after the after the Odo had left and went back into the Indies, that he was one of the best Americans in the world. Um, now I didn't see any of it. I took his word for it. Uh, and also, you know how it is when it comes to uh, when you get to you know a major promotion, like not everybody is meant to be the star. Uh, and right. Ono has clearly been slotted to be a, like like uh, Dave said, a, a opening act type of person, the person that sets the, you know more or less uh, uh, sets the table for people. And um, so I can't really, I don't, I'm not really want to judge. I don't really want to judge, you know, what he can do versus what he's doing in NXT because that's not necessarily the same. Uh, that doesn't necessarily that doesn't necessarily jive with what I've heard. Um, so I, but. You know he's still a capable hand or whatever. So like at the least, like if that's the job he's asked to do, then he, he he's been doing it. Uh, as far as the the large dude, like my issue is the same thing that happens with um, other guys when they come to NXT uh, that are monster hills and aren't really like monster ish size for the main roster. Whereas like what's your open mobility? Like like you're going to be stuck either you're going to be stuck in NXT forever or what? Or you're going to go somewhere else? Like Bull Dempsey for example. Like that dude is a monster only when he's a, only when he's NXT and he's fighting a, a slew of five nine white guys. <laughs> like, what can you do with that? Um, when you get to the main roster and there's there's Sheamus, there's Randy Orton, there's Roman Reigns, there's John Cena. You know, like and and those are even like the biggest guys when there's you know there's Strowman, there's Lesnar, and there's Joe around, and there's Kevin and Owens, and, and you know what I'm saying. So, <laughs> what is where where are, where are we ultimately going with here when that dude is like, oh, he's actually a pocket monster. So you know so I'll um, say this we'll for Lars Sullivan, and this is something Meltzer mentioned that um that I was like, what he's dead on. When you're watching this guy on TV. You don't get that sense, but when you see him live, I saw him live in Largo, I want to say about, probably about two or three months ago, and he is a refrigerator-wide, huge motherfucker in person, but right. there's like something that like the TV takes away from him, I think. And here's the thing, though. We already have a Rusev, and, I, and he's not, and from what true. I saw last night, he's I not Rusev. He's not true. He ain't no damn Rusev. Correct. So it's like, okay, so you're going to be like the second best guy in that category of being like built like a refrigerator guy and you're not, and when you're in the ring with like the big show, you look like a child. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I guess the the only thing with him, um, they, um, I think he looks like Fritz Von Eric, but <laughs> he's Damn, I, see, I've never seen First Von Eric because, like, why would I want to look up a dude with a with a Nazi gimmick? But I was like, wow, he's that. So First Von Eric was that ugly, huh? Yes. Um, Damn. Couple comments we'll get into. Uh, Simon said Drew McIntyre was always upper mid card at best, and it shows. Um, speaking as a Drew what? McIntyre fan, that kind of hurts me. But <laughs> um, uh, Sergio says blame NXT or blame Hero, but I agree he hasn't really done anything too impressive from him since his return. Maybe his match with Hideo Itami. Uh, Dion says, oops, I wouldn't admit to going to Largo for anything. <laughs> um, yeah, I went to Largo High, so um, <laughs> take what, do, with that as you, do with that as you want. Yeah, I got folks in, in Largo, so I ain't, I ain't really good there to go there with you, bro. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you mess around and get blocked on this shelf. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, man. So, uh, but overall, I thought. Um, did, did we talk about the title change? Put them putting the title on Almas. No. Okay. Uh, one thing. Uh, one thing I wanted to mention with Dave is like, okay, so if those are the five matches on the car, where would you have slotted uh, that Ono and, and uh, Lars match? Oh, I mean, I wouldn't have put it on the card at all. <laughs> Don't book them. <laughs> okay. But if you I, I mean, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, I, if it were me, I would really much rather have okay. seen uh, the Gargano versus uh, Bait match. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, done. Gargano versus Dunn should have been on the oh, main Dunn. card. Okay. Like, I don't know what they were thinking putting uh, putting Ono versus Lars on there over it. But uh, if you are going to put it on the main card, at least give it its best chance to be successful, which would have been match number two after a hot opener when the crowd was already, you know, ready to rock. Yeah, um, and there was a there were, they switched the title last night to um, Andrade Cien Almas. Happy to see that dude um, kind of coming into his own. Um, now, like looking at the rest of the card, like I, I wonder who can challenge him. Um, it may be Al- an Alistair Black. Uh, they seem to be really high on Adam Cole and um, you know uh, the Undisputed Era guys. But first, um, what, what did you guys make of the match with McIntyre and um, everything like that? Dave. All right. Um, I thought it was good. You know, I thought it was a really good back and forth match. Uh, standard fare. You know, nothing that stood out as, oh my god, this is amazing, but you know, a good quality NXT takeover match. Um, I think that you kind of get what you get with McIntyre. You know, McIntyre is not a superstar at the current time. You know, does he have a great look? Does he have some of the tools that can get him there? Yeah, but he's not that right now. So I think, uh, you know, this match had a certain ceiling that it was never going to surpass, but I think it pretty much got there. You know, I like Almas. I was very surprised to see the title change. You know, NXT takes their title so seriously that title changes, you know, like this are usually few and far between, much less on uh, on a match that they didn't even deem to be main event worthy of the show. That's the biggest surprise for me is that, you know, they put this match on second to last and did a title change as opposed to any, anything else. Um, memorable, though, you know, I, I mean, memorable that Almas won here. I mean, it's very rare that you really watch, you know, a match and you're like, oh, wow, I really didn't think they were going to do that. And that's how it felt last night. I thought it was so, a good um, shock. Yeah, Kudos. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I was like, what? That's it? No, wait, no, they're going to tell us that his foot was on the rope, yeah. his hand was underneath the ring, and, and we didn't see any of that, you know? So, yeah, I mean, I was really, really surprised, um, but pleasantly surprised, because I like Albus. I don't know if he's, like, main event world champion good, but I don't feel that right now Drew McIntyre is main event world champion good. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy to see that they're going in a different direction, and maybe it's going to completely tank. Or maybe he's going to take off and become this huge superstar. But I'm looking forward to seeing what happens. The the one thing that I'm interested in, kind of, is what you said, is that there aren't really good face challengers for him right now. Alistair Black hasn't been pushed to the top of the card yet. Maybe that's what's coming. Same with Johnny Gargano. You kind of feel like they're going to let everything shake down with him and Ciampa before they, they move in that direction. But, um, you know, really there aren't those guys. I mean, the Undisputed Era and Adam Cole, he kind of seemed like the next guy that was going to be world champ, but he's clearly a heel, so I don't see them doing Adam Cole versus Almas. I mean, I'm I'm a little confused as to where that's going to go, but either way, I'm very interested in seeing what happens. Yeah, man. James, um, what, what did you make of this match, and then also uh, McIntyre's future prospects as well as uh, Almas's? Okay, so, like, generally speaking, when I, when I like guys, 
I tend to like them to be overqualified for their positions, but given that there's so much talent in, in WWE and NXT and uh, the roster so filled. So, uh, for example, now that uh, I mentioned to you just the other day on uh, on our Thursday show that right now the person that should be the U.S. champion should be gender right now. It mm-hmm. shouldn't be Corbin. It should be gender. Given that that dude had a main event push, uh, for whatever reason, they decided to move him off of that. For we'll see if they move him back to the main to the um, top title or not. But if not, he should be the the U.S. champion. Given that that dude just had a run, regardless of how successful you think it was or or whatever else, they gave him a huge push, and he needs to be you know around the level of the push that he was given for the time being until they decide completely that they're done with him. If they if they if that is what they decide to choose to uh, to do. Um, now I said all that to say this with with uh, McIntyre. McIntyre is somebody that's completely overqualified to be on NXT. Um, you look at his body, you look at his build, you look at uh, what he can do in the ring and the matches he's had on ta- on two takeovers. Those are WWE title matches that he ha- uh, main event title matches he had both of them. And both of them he executed very well. Um, as well as you can ask anybody, as well as you would ask anybody to do um, to a competent level. And he, I felt like he was more than competent in both of those matches. That and this is somebody that's been in the system before. He's been up on the main roster before. This is somebody that's busted his ass on the indies and got back to where he's at. This is somebody that should have been immediately thrown into the main event, um, given that how they're so desperate for new talent to have fresh mashups on the main roster. I don't understand why he's there. I don't understand why people hate him or or, or, or lukewarm on him other than the fact that, you know, he, you look at him in NXT and what NXT is and what their champions have been in the lineage and what he is. He is a Vince McMahon body guy. People don't. People aren't going to be so energetic to be for that. But you look at the rude match, and you look at the match he had with Almas, and all, and like that is a entertainment main event title match. I don't get it. I feel like he's overqualified. He should be on the main roster. He had. An, I love him. He had Almas another. I think he's great. He had another great match with Roderick Strong as well. If you guys didn't see it, it was uh, midway between last takeover and here on regular TV. They went about 20 minutes, and they tore the house down. Uh, it was in full yeah. sale. And I think you mentioned something like that I kind of wanted to touch on. Like I feel like, you know... There were boos for McIntyre last night. There were folks chanting 3MB at at McIntyre last night. There is a certain sect, like, where it seems like McIntyre was starting to lose people because... I, I I don't know why. Maybe it's a thing like he's with the NXT, bodies. He's not an NXT guy. You look at you, okay, he's like you start with Bo Dallas, right? And then they immediately got the belt off of him with Neville. Then you go to Sami Zayn. Then you go to Kevin Owens. Then you go to Finn Balor. Then you go to Samoa Joe. Then you go to Nakamura and Bobby Roode. All of those guys, the way they wrestle, aside from Bobby Roode, and Bobby Roode is a smaller guy. All of those guys fit into the indie worker style more or less, except for Bobby Roode. And Bobby Roode was having. Like these successful professional, professional, professional title matches, and people were still like, eh, "I'm not all that sold on him." When it came to the NXT style, which is basically the indie style, more or less, for the most part, these blow away matches where they do a bunch of ridiculous uh, acrobatic, athletic stuff is not really. That's I mean, is is based in storytelling, but like storytelling isn't the thing that gets these matches all the way through beginning end. A lot of it is ba- is is more heavily based on the athleticism of the of the combatants. Right. Like Rude and um, Rude and Rude was a heel, so it was able to work. And then you get to McIntyre, and then McIntyre has the three of B stink on him. Yeah. And then you have the the fact that he looks like a Greek god, and then people, and then you get to the part where it's like he looks like a oh. heel. 
then it goes to oh he's a Vince he looks like a Vince guy which you also you have the quote about Vince thinking he's look he's a future world champion that always that, that's always going to dog him out for the rest of his career but like that is a dude that should have been put like just the same way that AJ basically skipped NXT and went straight to the main roster that dude all should have skipped to the main roster because there's no point there's no point yeah. like you're gonna make him NXT champion for what like you, you know no, what I think you know, it is. And I, I think I said I may have said this on the uh, show last night with Josh and Jeremy, but when the who's the booker of NXT? It's Triple H, right? Yep. So I think Triple H might look at McIntyre and see himself, and you know. Triple H was never a good face, like, as a main eventer. And I felt like him and McIntyre were really similar um, in, in some respects there. Like, it's just as far as, like, how the crowd received them. Like, oh, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it's Triple H. You know, whatever. Fuck that guy eventually. But um, let's get into a couple comments that were that were in there. Um, well, real yeah. Quick, yeah. Well, real quick, though. Like, the thing with McIntyre is he came in and the whole thing is, like, Bobby Roode is the greatest thing since sliced bread. And then... And then it becomes an argument of no, like this. The, the NXT belt isn't about you; it's about the people. We are NXT, and it's like, dude, one, you just got here. Yeah. <laughs> How yeah. the hell are you doing it? And two, you don't look nothing like NXT. You look like WWE <laughs> through and through. What do you mean you are NXT? Get out of my face with that bullshit. We so, don't yeah. believe you. You need more people. Yeah. Um. Dion says uh, Almas is a great worker. Dylan James says happy to see Almas get a chance at the top, but I feel so damn bad for McIntyre. McIntyre looked like he, uh, it, you know, reports are coming out that he tore a bicep, so he's out there on that Tanahashi right now. Hopefully, he doesn't have to get surgery. Um, Dion also says I think Bray Wyatt should go back to NXT and recreate his character. I mean, any suggestion for Bray Wyatt at this point is on the table. You know, he's not on the card tomorrow or tonight. Um, Sergio Parra says, um, you know, I still haven't watched the show, but I don't think they've had a great title match since maybe Joe Finn. Uh, hopefully, Sin uh, changes that. I, I would think the Nakamura and Rude matches were pretty good. They just were a little different. Um, Randy, Rance Morris says, what up, Rance? He says, Drew isn't a good face. Uh, Miguel is Miguel Kaplan, what's going on, man? He says, sorry I'm late, but what a takeover last night. It was a great show. I, w- I will say that. Um, but let's talk about the war games. Um, the the you know the main event was the war games double cage no top on it um one thing that i i always enjoyed about war games was seeing the fireworks come out of the cage and instead of the fireworks we just got a siren uh i, I thought that was pretty lame um <laughs> but dave what did you what did you make of this match and, and was it everything like what made the old war games kind of special and do you think that this one kind of hit on those notes or was it a whiff Huh. Okay, so um, I think that War Games is nostalgic, and I think very few renditions from the past were any good. The ones that were good were great, but it was more indicative of how good the people involved were than the match itself. The match itself kind of worked in a hokey southern territorial kind of way way back when. The concept absolutely does not work now. We're a, we're a right-now society. You know, the idea that that match could go that long without there even being a possibility of an end in sight is is troublesome. You know, if, if anything, I think the rule changes that they made last night were for the positive. Could you imagine if we had to sit through, I don't know, 25 minutes bef- uh, of that before the real match started? Like, it would have been a huge problem. I think that the match was very good last night. 
but not because of the gimmick. It was just you had a bunch of really good workers in there busting their ass, uh, turning into a crazy hardcore match, which is not necessarily what War Games was all about. You know, uh, I, I tend to think that most of the changes they made last night were for the better and that that match was very enjoyable. I'm not sure how good it would be on rewatch, but I think a lot of the problems with the match last night had more to do with the War Games gimmick than what actually happened in the ring. Mm-hmm. Uh, now I, w- I would say like uh, I think Simon uh, actually posted something in the group. He said they they did all this stuff talking about there's no top on the cage for them to do just a superplex off of it, um, and that is something that happened in 1994 with Bret Hart and Owen Hart. Like so, <laughs> so to me they should have just gone ahead with the with the top on it and, and do the full you know deal with it, but. They decided to change it up, and it felt like, you know, every time Moro Ronaldo said, you know, and, and the match hasn't even started yet, like, that just kind of, like, like took it away from me. It's like, we're watching a match now. Like, what are you saying? These guys are in there competing for, essentially for their lives. They're in there, you know, in, in a cell. Like, don't tell me the match hasn't started yet. But, um, James, what, what did you make of the, of the War Games, and um, did, did you think it, like, kind of captured some of the aesthetic well? Okay, so for me, as a person that grew up on WCW, um, WCW, yeah, wow, <laughs> ninety two and ninety six for me are the two ones that I actually like ever really and truly enjoyed, um, and you know ninety eight was pure trash, right? So, uh, <laughs> so for me to move forward to now, and a lot of the problems that were there, even with WWE's production, like are still there. It's a it's a flawed match, like it really is, like. You can't one. It's just same thing as why you know the cruiserweight division um, right now. The women's division didn't work until they started like narrowed it down to who they're going to push and sliding people. Like you can't get over that much action with that many people. And also why I like also another thing like another reason why like I hate when the rumble fills the Royal Rumble fills up with a bunch of people. Like you can't keep track and pay attention to that much stuff going on at the same time. And then also like the camera the cameraman and Kevin Dunn in the back who or whoever the producer trying to focus on. What's important, what's not, what do you miss at the time, and then also trying to contextualize it as what did I miss and what happened here as far as trying to tell the story of this complete match with all this, like, organized chaos going on, right? Yeah. So, like, once that thing started filling up, like, the only thing that was a saving grace is that they all decided for some weird reason to, except for, like, one or two guys, to all wrestle in the same ring, and then they all started doing their big spots, and that pretty much where the match started to get good. For me, like sitting there watching the match waiting just like knowing like okay so until all nine guys get in the ring can't shit happen in this match of consequence I was sitting there like okay cool it's fine it's a match and, but it made me think of the same reason why there's flaws with the Iron Man match if you don't do falls in the beginning of it is um, like the Sasha and Charlotte match Iron Woman match that they had uh, last year where they went 22 minutes, minutes first yeah and there's no there's no near fall, so I'm just basically sitting on my hands until something of consequence happens. Like and like, luckily they did a smart they did a smart uh, job of paring down um, you know the uh, the entrances to where instead of it being you know waiting all this time for uh, six guys to get in, they basically said two at a time, everybody gets in, and then we shorten down uh, we shorten down the time where people have to wait sit on their hands and wait, but. Like the, the the issues with that match are still there, and like you know, chances are more likely than not, in these in this kind of match, you're going to have more misses than hits. 
Yeah. And luckily, I thought this this was this was a respectable match. Um, it was a good main event, but like to get to you know to get to that ninety two level is going to be you know that's almost like hitting the lotto or getting struck by lightning. There's only there's only so many times like the the stars going to align for that to work out for you. Uh, a couple comments. Uh, Simon Cotton says, back up, back to the Bray Wyatt thing. He said, I think Bray Wyatt should leave. Him and Gender can start their own promotion. Uh, semicolon, bum-ass wrestling. <laughs> uh, Miguel says, uh, Killian Dane is my MVP. Uh, yes, that, that guy yeah, is like, absolutely. I think between him and Alexander Wolf, they've taken like massive steps this year. When they first put Sandy together, I thought that they were two big lugs. Essentially, kind of how I thought about, you know, Harper and Rowan at one point and then Luke Harper basically said don't you ever dare disrespect me disrespect will not be tolerated and showed that he was like one of the best big man workers to ever come along in this business yeah like Luke Harper acquitted himself like quickly like you knew like almost like in like the first three months you're like oh yeah he's not just a he's not just a, a guy like he, he has to, he needs to be wrestling, especially more to Bray Wyatt. Uh, Miguel says it felt like a double sized cage match with weapons. I I, I tend to agree. Yeah. Um, yep. uh, I'm just gonna say it now, bro. I was coming with a hot take, but go ahead. So we were talking about how they took the cage off, and then the only thing we got was suplex. So, bro, they did a superplex on on uh, seven other dudes for a near fall. That's not the finish. That's for a near fall. Do you can, can, like? Can you like? I hope someone sends that clip to uh, to Jim Cornette so Jim Cornette could like head could explode. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's all I want to mention. Like uh, that's just a, that wasn't even like the, the like the, that was just a false finish. I'm like, wow, okay, cool. All right, so I hated that spot. I thought that spot was horrible. Like that felt like the big thing that they were building up to, and then it just I'm like that that's it. That's, that's yeah. where you went with that. It was really, really upsetting. And, and if you look at the video package, it looks like they did a better version of it um, in the video package to the outside of the ring. Like I thought that was like, even more dangerous than coming off the cage, like into the wrestling ring. Like, um, yeah. And also the stipulation about, like, if you leave the cage, you are forfeiting, and then you see people climbing the cage, and you think, like, I thought what was going to happen was somehow somebody was going to open the cage and then throw somebody out. Yeah. To get them basically like eliminated and then you pare it down. No, people were actually like like Adam Cole is like trying to get the cage and like, you moron, you're trying to forfeit? Like what are you doing? <laughs> um, hot take alert. I don't get it with Adam Cole. Um I'm not a fan. Uh I have never been impressed. Uh, he wrestled Kyle O'Reilly at Wrestle Kingdom this year. Right. He's a generic guy. Like, I'm not impressed at all. Uh, so if you want to send your hate this way about Adam Cole, bring it because you, you're you going to have to show me, essentially. Um, and NXT is going to start pushing this guy as, like, their top heel. I just don't see this, like, you know, this 5'10 dude, like, is the most dangerous guy in, in the business. Like, I don't. Like, he's not, he doesn't have any type of, like, grappling, which would, like, make him, like, a Daniel Bryan or, or submission stuff. He doesn't necessarily wow you with athleticism. Maybe it's a character thing that, that folks are really into like that, but someone's got to explain it to me what Adam Cole Heath Slater's gimmick. <laughs> Um, when I see him, I, I literally see like an old man watered down version of Shawn Michaels, especially when he starts doing the super kick. Um, 
he to me he's not in Kyle O'Reilly's league. Um, and with O'Reilly being on the side of him, I you know maybe maybe Cole is the one like it's the Adam Cole baby. That's the chant that everyone does. But it's like why am I chanting that? What is it? What is so impressive? Uh, y'all got to show me. Yeah, I agree. He's uh, he's Ty Dillinger. <laughs> At least Ty is a man of the people. You know, uh, and, and he has a gimmick. He has something cool to engage people with. And I guess you could say the same thing with that Adam Cole baby shit, but yeah. I missed it. Like, you, you, you got to inform me. Look, but here's the thing. At least Adam I'm, Cole baby isn't ruining the business by screwing, up, uh, by screwing up count out. Hold on, hold on. I got both of you guys going. Uh, Dave, go ahead. I, I keep watching him and... And seeing how excited like the, the the general NXT audience is about him, and I keep waiting for him to do something where I'm like, oh my god, this guy's amazing! I totally get it, and it just never happens for me. He's yeah. literally just a guy. <laughs> James, yeah, same here. I was gonna say the same thing about like, yeah, I mean, I'm not willing to write him off yet. Like, we'll see. Like, I mean, somebody, for example, that when I first saw him, I was like. Okay, where is it? We'll see him punk, and then the pipe bomb happened. I'm like, right. hey, I get everything now. What the hell was I talking about when he's fighting Rey Mysterio at WrestleMania 26? But yeah. I think the thing for me was, like, at least with, with Cole, like, his, his, you know, like, his chant isn't, like, as intrusive, like, I'm sorry, as invasive to, like, the storytelling, like, the 10, like, the 10 count is, like, we like we will always have screwed up ten counts now for countouts for from here to the end of time because of uh, <laughs> because of Ty Dillinger. Like he is the what chat all over again. Yeah, ruin the business. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, we got a couple other things to talk to. I, I think that's cool. We can we can leave take over there. I want to talk about Will yeah, Osprey. Hey, we don't. We haven't even. Have we even talked? Oh, about we didn't talk about the match? women's match. I, I totally forgot about yeah, that. You know, like the most important belt on the on the like in the company for like the last like year and a half. Oh, okay. All right. So um, we have the fatal four way between Kyrie Sane, Peyton Royce, Ember Moon. And Nikki Cross, um, you know, James always likes to say she looks like she's had a tough week, or, or she has she has two badass kids. She looks like a single mother with badass kids has had, and she's had a really tough week. Yes, yes, um, she is uh, definitely uh, one of the more unique uh, women that has come along. Uh, and, I, and I found a great meme of her um, uh, that was on Twitter that I think I'm going to share with everyone in the group. Um, but um, yeah, uh, Ember Moon wins the title and keeps Kyrie Sane away from it uh, for the time being. Uh, Oscar's in the audience. What did you guys make of um, this match? Did it feel like it was rushed at all to you? And you know what? What are we looking at going forward with Ember Moon? Either one of you guys. Yeah. Okay. So um, I thought the match was really good. Uh, all four of them are, are people that I happen to like. I did not like the booking. I did not think this was the right time to put it on Ember Moon. I thought that the, the, the NXT was in the process of telling a great story with uh, Ember Moon chasing Asuka. And in match one, not that close. In match two, really, really close. And it seemed inevitable that she would be the one to dethrone Asuka. There would be a third match and that would happen. Maybe at WrestleMania weekend. Who the heck knows? So then Asuka gets hurt. They decide to move her up to the main roster. And that kind of takes some of the wind out of your sails. But... I really feel like there needed to be some type of redemption story with Ember Moon here. Not just, oh, you know what? We're going to give her the title because Asuka's not here anymore. And here it is, and it's really easy, and you've got it now. I feel like she needed to come up short and to chase for a while. 
for the, to have that satisfying payoff. To me, like the payoff last night just wasn't there. I would have put the title on either Peyton Royce uh, or uh, or Nikki Cross and, and let Ember chase for a while. I just I feel like it was it was too soon after everything that happened with Asuka, and it really didn't do a whole lot for. Her. James, what, what did you make of it? Because you know when I saw it, I like I was pretty shocked when uh, the the whole three count happened. Like Jane or Josh and. Um, Jeremy and I like looked at each other like, did they really? Did these dudes just did this? Like as John Starks would say. Um, <laughs> uh, but what did you make of it, James? Yeah, I thought they turned. You know, for for my in my opinion, watching all these takeovers over the last two years, I thought that they turned the most important belt into a participation trophy. Um, everybody gets a turn. Like there had been a time where uh, the only people that held, held that belt were Paige, uh, Charlotte, Sasha. Bailey and Oscar, uh, Becky Lynch never get a hold of it. Emma didn't get a hold of it. Like I thought that was a belt where they actually where they pretended. I mean, I'm not nothing to say anything wrong about Ember eventually winning that title, but I thought that it was something that she was going to have to actually earn as opposed to, oh, Oscar left, so now she's now she's the queen. Like it made her look like a weak champion, um, and they're going to have to do a lot of work to, to fix that uh, to to remedy that uh, in the future. But um, is there for a Oscar Ember match? I'm, not, I'm sorry, Oscar. I'm sorry, uh, Kyrie Ember match in the future. I think that's where they're going to go because they kept her out of they kept Kyrie out of the near fall. She basically tried to run in and was too late to, to stop the pinfall from happening. Um, and uh, Ember basically, you know, hit her super her finish on both of uh, both of the other two. Um, but for me, I would if it were me, I would have done more or less the same thing except reverse it. I would have had Kyrie take both of those other two out and then had Ember, you know, just miss out on, on breaking it up and then give her another chance and have her earn another chance to get it, get the match one-on-one. Uh, for me, seeing the Ember thing, I thought, like, if that was the case, if that's what you decided to do, then you should have had Ember just beat Asuka and then send Ember, uh, send Asuka to the NXT. I'm um, sorry, to the main roster. I, I yeah, just don't no, get it. No, hold on. I uh, changed. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I mean to cut you off. Yeah, I thought, I thought, it, I thought it was a good match other than the finishes puzzling, but I thought it was a really, really good match, borderline great. Dave? You know, I totally changed my mind. I'm so sick of agreeing with James. Ember winning was awesome, and he's stupid for thinking otherwise. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, uh, Rance uh, is from Houston. He was at the show last night. Uh, He says, insider comment, Ember trained at ROW in Houston, and all their guys were there. That was a cool moment for her and me, since I know those guys. Uh, Miguel Capellan says... ROW is Booker's thing, right? Yes. Reality of wrestling. Okay. Peyton Royce improved a lot, but I don't think she needs a belt. She's the Becky of NXT who's going to be called up and winning the title and gets called up. Um, then Rand said, hometown, Dave, hometown. To me, like, I, I guess it's a hometown thing, but they announced her from Dallas. Now, you may, might be able to yeah. tell, tell me the difference, Rance, but I always thought there was a huge difference between H-Town and, and Dallas. <laughs> yeah, like, like, no, I mean, I mean, it's Texas and... Don't you know, go to Texas, Texas they'll fuck you up. Texas, but it, no, Texas will support Texas, but at the same time, like when, they, when you start breaking it down into like uh, you know cities I'm, versus cities, like I'm pretty sure I, I never recall Dallas or Houston like, being down to put City over to Dallas. No. Yeah, Dave said um, comparing Houston to Dallas is like New York City to Buffalo. Like, <laughs> I don't know if it's that pronounced because hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Which one? Which one is Buffalo in that in that analogy? Which one's Buffalo? Oh, I mean, I mean Dallas is definitely Buffalo. That's where the Cowboys are. It's a complete dumpster fire. 
<laughs> so oh, okay. yeah, I was gonna say if if it's anything I know about um about rap in Houston and all that, they're not riding on the slab and sitting sideways in Dallas, uh, rants. So <laughs> it's, it's a little different, you know. Um, but um, yeah, I I thought it was gonna be a situation where Peyton Royce would end up with the belt because I feel like you know they've been like uh, circling and angling to to have a, a long running heel champion in NXT. Like they haven't had one uh, heel as the champion since Sasha Banks. I'm glad we avoided that uh, because don't corrupt my NXT Women's Title. Just don't do it. Like <laughs> like keep it pure. We we want to see the the best competing for it in in honorable ways. Um, like. You can have a heel, but like, just like, I'm the long running chicken shit heel thing with like, with, with somebody coming out to save you in every single match, uh, whatever for heat. Like, I'm, I'm good. Like, I don't watch NXT for that. Like, yeah. I watch, like, if I wanted heat, then I would just like watch more, like, main roster television, right? Like, I watch the main event, you know, <laughs> or superstars. And that's what I wanted. Like, I don't, I don't watch WWE. I don't watch NXT for like the getting beaten down and, and, like like they've done the last like, jeez I don't know the last uh, seventeen years with Hills overrunning the company at the top like I, I'm good on that. Um, so I guess we can leave our NXT conversation there. Um, I got something I want to personally um, take aim at right now. So um, I think it was Friday morning. I want to say Will Osprey got his ass on Twitter and decided to speak on. Um, you know, sexual assault and sexual assault victims and everything else like that. And um, if you guys caught wind of his tweets or didn't, I'm going to read out what um, this asshead said. Um, he said he thinks it's disgusting that people can use social media to accuse people of sexual assault. More than a handful of people know the real you. Trying to use your position to isolate and assault someone is pathetic. Now, Will Ospreay. This, uh, from from what I'm I'm hearing, Osprey has had a problem with shooting off his mouth, and also you know getting women like blackballed, and you know Sarah can probably tell us more about that end of it. But on its head, just tweeting something like that out, right, is not only short sighted, it's stupid, and it is something that he's irrationally misformed on. Like, there's a reason people don't come out, and they're using social media right now to do this. As you can see, it's in Hollywood, and it's also penetrating, you know, other... It's, it's basically encouraging people to come forward with their stories. And basically, you don't know who's been through what, for one. And to say that shit, and knowing you have a worldwide platform, and you're also going to end up going out, like, you don't have the protection, you're an independent wrestler, like, people are going to come see you about that. Like, like yo, so what, what was you talking about? Like, what, what did you think was funny about this? Or what did you think was disgusting about, 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 about this? Like, making light of it, I thought it was very out of line for him. And, you know, he came out and apologized for it. Um... I think he did one of those halfway apologies, if I'm not mistaken. But um, I think Will Ospreay is trash for basically saying that. And um, fuck him. I don't know if y'all want to add anything on that. Yeah, I mean, at the very worst, at the very best case scenario, he's just incredibly ignorant. I mean, when I see people say stuff like that, the only thing I can think of is this must be like some guy who sexually assaults people and doesn't want people shouting out his business on social media. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I don't know. I just can't, I, I can't wrap my brain around people who 
feel that way, number one, but then number two would even use a public platform to talk about it. Like, what was his end game here? What was it that he was trying to accomplish? Like, I can't really wrap my brain around that. I don't know. And then, and then in his apology, like, he, he talked about when he was um, apparently a sexual assault victim as a 14-year-old. And, you know, it was... That just makes it even more dumb for you to come out there and just sit and say some dumb shit like that. James, Eli, you want to jump in? Okay, so... Um, I, I guess for me, so, it may, like, that conversation about uh, about you saying, like, what, what, what was the quote for the tweet again? I'm sorry, so I can... I, I lost my train of thought listening to you guys yeah, talk let, about let me, it. Let me read it back one more time. Um, he says, he thinks it's disgusting for people to use social media as a platform to come forward um of course my thing wants to freeze and not like load for a second okay um he said he thinks it's disgusting when social media is used as a tool for people to come forward to accuse people of sexual assault more than a handful of people know the real you and trying to use your position to isolate and assault someone is pathetic Okay, so more than a few people know the real you. Like, you know what that sound like to me as far as, like, just, like, just, like, just dumbfounding, like, naivete? It reminded me of after Charlottesville, the Lady Gaga started the hashtag, this is not us. And it's like, <laughs> no, bro, like, colonialism, slavery, like, colonialism, slavery, Jim Crow, uh, housing, uh, housing, uh, discrimination, redlining. This is damn well us. What the hell are you talking about, right? Yeah. Like, you listen. You listen. To this, you read the statistics for for the number of um of assault victims that are in this country, the number of uh of uh, women that have been uh, uh, uh sexually assaulted or abused, or whatever. And like, no, you look, you see those statistics, and then you jive with and you look at the look at the population, you see how that jives. with like, no, the, the, like the real you is like. I understand what you're saying. Like, you only know somebody was so intimate or whatever, but that doesn't mean like that person did not beat the hell out of somebody or, or, or abuse uh, trust of somebody else, right? Um, that does not mean anything. Like, statistically speaking, somebody you know has either abused or or uh, or done something bad to somebody. That's how. That's that's just that's life. Like, or they know someone like that's or someone that's close right. to them. It's happened to. Right. So so to pretend so to pretend that because like you know you only know but so many people that means they possibly because you know somebody really well it means like they couldn't possibly do something bad because as if like you know like we don't all know people in our lives that do and say things that we all like you know roll our eyes with it at a dinner table that say stuff that make you be like you cringe or or make you say something back or make you say something this person like you remember when so-and-so said this i can't believe they said this or i told us this story or whatever over the years this like it was mind-boggling naive for him to say that at least and then to say like you think finds it disgusting that people would say that like we'll call people out they did you know did something terrible to somebody it's like well some of the some these people have been um have been abused like why do they have to be quiet for the fact that they got abused i don't understand that like that's that, that doesn't drive my mind like if you did something wrong to me like it, like it's not up to you or anybody else whether or not I, I basically tell the world what happened to me. I'm the one that got I'm the one yeah, that got, you know misused. Get right. out of my face with this. Like so for me as is like it's just a, it's just really stupid. So he won't say none of that fuck me. shit in real life. Yeah, and, and the other thing is like this is just another version of victim shaming. You know, it's just a different side of the same coin. You know, it just Absolutely. to me it's just completely unacceptable. And one of the things yeah. that just really really fires me up are when people do something really bad. And then 
you know, in, in their quote-unquote apology, they turn around and they say, oh, but really, I'm the victim here, and here's why. You know, think about Kevin Spacey, right, when he apologized for what he may or may not have done, and he tried to divert the attention by, you know, um, shifting the focus of, of what was talked about. Like, what the real story here is that you sexually assaulted a bunch of different people. Like, whether right. what your preferences are doesn't really matter. You're trying to shift the right. focus, you know? Right. And I feel like that's what Osprey did here, was that he, uh, you know, he, um, you know, he, he said something terrible, right? That, you know, inexcusable type, type stuff. And uh, then he tried to make himself the victim, you know? So first right. he blamed the victim, you know, he was shaming the victims, and then he tried to make himself the victim. It's, it's just a bad one altogether. Yeah. And, like, so. the, thing, the thing for that with me is, like, twofold. Is one, it's, it's almost like, he had, like, something bad happened to me, therefore, like, I extend no sympathy for, for how other people that are dealing with something similar are dealing with it, which is, like, for me, I find that just to be, like, dumb, very dumb. Like, I don't, uh, and then on the other end, it's also like, gee, it's almost as if like um, there's a like people with a uh, given what you mentioned about uh, Sierra mentioning about uh, hit, uh, about you know what's alleged with him, his allegations. It's like, gee, it's almost as if they like that kind of stuff comes in patterns where like if that sort that sort of thing happens to you, you're also likely to replicate that sort of behavior because it happened to you, huh? Something. It's, it's almost as if there's something to that. So no. like I, I just I just couldn't. I just, I just like shook my head and just, just believe like, and I hope you know that you find some type of help or somebody can like help him figure it out. Like for me, like the the apology, you know, at least he didn't pull one of those, uh, you know, all those half apologies as like, oh, you know, I'm sorry for those who I offended. It's like, dude, either you're sorry for what you did. No, he did not. that. Oh, he, he, oh, he did pull one. Of the, yeah, okay, he did. He one of the, okay, got I can it. only apologize to the one to the people I did offend. Uh, I can read his apology. Hold on. Uh, no, no, you're good. I don't, I don't, we're good. Like you already said that. So like he did one of those half-ass apologies. Like, I'm sorry for those who offended, as opposed to like I'm sorry for what I did. Like, right. I'm sorry if I offended you. It's like oh, that's so disingenuous, you prick. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and Ricochet was always better than that man, and this and this is just more proof of it. Like so, <laughs> so fuck Will Ospreay. Uh, fuck you if you down with him. Fuck him as a staff or as a regular label and as a motherfucking crew. If you down with with Will Ospreay, then fuck you too. You know, I thought you were gonna say. I thought you were gonna say, "Fuck him!" In the horse you rode in on. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah. Off that breaking news. Um, a little bit off topic. Donald Trump has responded to Levar Ball. <laughs> uh, President Trump has said, "Now that the three basketball players are out of China and saved from years in jail, Levar Ball, the father of Leangelo, is unaccepting of what I did for his son, and that shoplifting is no big deal. I should have left them in jail. The year has peaked. All year we have been headed towards Levar Ball and Donald Trump eventually going at it. We are now here, gentlemen. Can you believe this?" I can absolutely believe it because, I mean, after Trump went after uh, players for calling them SOBs for you know sitting out of uh, uh, sitting out taking knee during the national anthem uh, before football games, uh, we uh, there was word that from out of you know from Trump, uh, what do you call it, from Trump staffers that athletes. We're going to be his next. Uh, we're going to be his next talking thing to keep you know to keep him you know as a talking uh, piece or whatever. 
and he's continued that. Whether it's been like you know talking about talking bad to Roger Goodell or uh, Papa John or Papa John saying that their pizza is not selling because people aren't watching as much football before <laughs> or what have you. Like the next step on that is like okay, so you got so I'm, I'm basically my entire core base is like people that that resent people of color and women. So all right, athletes, mostly people, rich rich people of color, a lot of them. Uh, we call them and they have a cause. Let's uh, let's bash on that and let's go from there. And like, all right, who's even more somebody that's quote unquote uh, entitled? Oh, not even like an athlete, the father of an athlete that talks a lot of trash. Boom. So like, Lavar Ball is like the perfect avatar for somebody to for like Trump to go and like up against. And here we are. Like I, I, I really hate what 2017 is turning to. Like I really thought like with Prince dying and David Boyd dying, that 2016 couldn't possibly get uh, 2017 could possibly worse than 17. But then like here we are. We have we have Nazis in the streets. Uh, we have people getting blackballed for th- for having the audacity to think that like that uh, taxpayers shouldn't get uh, shouldn't get murdered at this disproportionate rate for no good reason compared to the rest of the population because of the color of the color of their skin. And now we have the president of the United States arguing with a soccer dad, essentially a really good soccer dad, <laughs> but a soccer dad. So like it's, this it's, is it's, this is like we we reached we've reached peak stupidity. Yes, this is this is professional wrestling right here. Levar Ball versus Donald Trump. If we had to book this, uh, you know, for for a maximum blow off, you know, I feel like this is like this is Austin versus McMahon in a sense. In a sense, the, everything that Vince McMahon hated about Stone Cold was everything that Vince McMahon was when he was younger. He was ruthless. He was cunning. He didn't respect uh, structure. Everything like that. And then. Looking at LeVar Ball, he, he pretty much took the whole playbook of saying ridiculous shit to, to get attention on him, developing people people developing around him, you know, around his good, quote-unquote, good characteristics, even though, you know, to me there's no no difference at all, or there's no similarity at all, at all with Donald Trump and LeVar Ball, but... The deal is they both develop, like, you know, followers or whatever that are pretty much, you know, really, really about it when it comes to them. Because, you know, me, I'm all about this LeVar Ball, Big Baller brand, talking all the, all the cash and, and just seeing how they did it. To me, he's the ultimate babyface. What, what, what do you guys think? There's not uh, two people in the world I would like to talk about less than LeVar Ball and Donald Trump. Uh, With that being said, there's really only one reasonable take that anybody can have on this. Given that they've both had affiliation with the WWE, they absolutely have to throw down at WrestleMania 34. No question about it. That's it. Going to move on. Not going to touch that one with a 10-foot pole anymore. Yes. WrestleMania 34, Donald Trump versus LeVar Ball be there. Oh How awesome man! Would be if they involved their kids too, like the the bratty Trump kids versus the, the Ball brothers. <laughs> oh man! Oh, it, 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 it's just legendary. But um, final thoughts on Survivor Series. Um, tonight is the show, um, uh, and there is it, it's a super card. Um, there we we've got dream matches everywhere. We got the Shield versus the New Day. We got Brock Lesnar versus AJ Styles. We got the the senior citizens um, five on five match, but but you know it should be interesting how they do it. Um, overall, like like what are you looking forward to, Dave, on this, and, and what are you looking for? Who who's not on the card that you anticipate on making an impact? 
Ah, oh, man. Um, I'm really kind of just looking forward to almost all of it. I'm not huge on The Miz versus Corbin. Um, <laughs> everything else looks like it's pretty, pretty, looking pretty good to at least provide some type of entertainment value. I mean, the main event to me is going to be the five on five match. Uh, as much as I'm interested in the idea behind Lesnar versus Styles, I tend to think they're not going to let have that be the focus of the show tonight. I'm really interested in the five on five uh, men's match because you know they booked like all the top faces in the company to be on each team here. There's no heels that that they haven't really done that in a Survivor Series format before. There's been mixtures of faces and heels before, but right now you've got you know pretty much just people who are getting cheered. Uh, you yeah. know whether they're legitimate faces or they're just heels that people want to cheer like Samoa Joe. But um, I think they could go all over the board with this match, and that's why it's so interesting to me. You could have Triple H turn turn on Kurt Angle. You could have uh, Jason Jordan turn on Kurt Angle. You could have John Cena use his free agent status and end up helping the Raw team. Doubt that's going to happen. I think <laughs> that there's a possibility of Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn getting involved to, to, to make their presence felt. I just don't really know where they're going to go from a booking standpoint, and to me, that's really, really interesting. Yeah. Uh, other than that, I'm dying to see the Shield versus the New Day. I mean, that, that I don't see if that match is given any reasonable amount of time how it's not just amazing. James, what are you? Uh, what are you most looking forward to um, now that we've had we've done a show, basically previewing everything? Like today is the day, and um, like like what what is the one for you? Yeah, I'm, 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 you know, I'm really intrigued on whether or not Alexa Bliss uh, finishes the, the the grand slam of beating all four horsewomen <laughs> in um, in title feuds, and um, it's meant her status as the most overpushed uh, wrestler in WWE by a long slot, even even sort of, even uh, succeeding uh, Jinder Mahal in, in, in Roman Reigns. I, I really wonder, uh, but but in all seriousness. Uh, I, I, I'm really intrigued about uh, all of the all of the things that play in the five on five match because, like, from a storytelling perspective, that I'm pretty sure that's going to be the main event because like there's so many different ways it can go. Like Joe and Balor are are are, are down to screw each other. Um, Angle slash uh, Joe. I'm sorry, Angle, Jason Jordan, and Triple H are bound to screw each other. Um, Kevin Owens and Zayn are bound to screw Shane somehow, some way. Uh, Randy Orton is Randy Orton, and as you said, can't Randy never Orton trust is, Randy Orton. It's always Randy Orton when he's on, when he's like, when he looks like he can screw somebody over somehow, some way. Uh, there's a, there's a lot of that in play, and then you know, of course, there's you know the match that you know could have been a, a co a co headliner for WrestleMania for any WrestleMania, which is New Day versus Shield. And I'm really and I'm really inter- interested to see if you know the Shield should win regardless of whatever happens tonight. But I'm really interested to see if they're going to mold them over or are they going to put them on somewhat equal footing to where you say these are the two biggest three-man um, factions of the last 20 years or so and we're going to we're going to treat it as such and present it as such for uh, the fans. Um, if they do, I think this could be a I think this is, you know, I think this could be a great, uh, great uh, card. Uh, but we'll see. Yeah, it it is to me on paper like I'm much more excited about Survivor Series than pretty much anything else that's happened this year. Um, you, you can look at the top of the card delivering. You can look at um, whatever whatever supporting it. If you're looking at the top four matches, to me these are the best top four matches that you know WWE is doing this year. And like I no, think, one, go ahead. I, I think that I was about. I think I'm more excited 
for this than slightly more than Survivor Series because like you know they they screwed around and put New Neighbors Usos and on the pre-show and then like John Cena was in a nothing match at uh at uh, SummerSlam Survivor Series against Corbin yeah I'm sorry yeah SummerSlam I always mix those two up because of the double matches <laughs> uh, yeah and. I mean, it's weird. It's really weird that like seeing the year he's had like outside of the Royal Rumble, like every like like WrestleMania, he's in a nothing match. Uh, Survivor SummerSlam, he's in a nothing match, and then like he ain't done, done no promo work, no nothing. nothing. Just show up and, and just show up in the basket. The John Cena sucks chance. So, show up and get the like, check. We'll, we'll see what goes with him. And, and he also has a new uh, shirt, and the color is absolutely disgusting. It's like he, he's got like a lime green, like Seattle Seahawks mid two thousands throw up uh, green jer- alternate jersey colored. He's um, doing that again. Yes, he's doing that again. again. It, it looks awful. Like I, I think he should have went back to like. Uh, uh, a red, or or maybe even like a uh, maybe like um, a yellow or something, or or even a white, like you know, just, just do it that way. But um, yeah, man, um, we went to um, well before I get to that. Um, yeah, I'm I'm really excited for the Shield and the New Day. I want the New Day to look like main eventers, and it's going to tell us a lot about um, where they're going headed forward. As I mentioned before, Kofi Kingston's kind of you know veteran status at this point. Like I don't think he'll ever get that real push again. But this is a big opportunity for Big E, and I think he needs to come through. Uh, I need Alexa Bliss to get big booted to hell from Charlotte uh, because I just can't take it. I can't take the Alexa Bliss trolls um, and, and stands and everything like that. Um, um, it, she, she's being, you know, the apparently Alexa Bliss is, has, you know, been handed down the the right hand knockout punch from the Big Show, and I, I just don't don't believe it. Like, <laughs> I, I don't. Um, what else was on? Yeah, the I mean, card? if the goal is to shatter somebody's kneecap, that might work. But you know. <laughs> yeah, hey, Dave, I want to ask you because I, I never, I don't think I've ever talked to you about Alexa Bliss. Like, what do you think of it when it comes to? Like how they how they tried to present the women over the last two years, and then where we are now, where Alexa Bliss came up, and then like her first feud is with Becky Lynch, and she cuts a promo of Becky Lynch looks nothing like a champion uh, compared to compared to her when like she's you know ninety five pounds soaking wet in. Like you look at what I mean, WWE has done with what the look of champions are when it comes to men, and then like with women, also like like there are apparently there aren't weight classes. Like we're not supposed to notice. We're not even supposed to notice that there's like a difference in discrepancies in sizes. And like now that she's like a three time, or she's a four time champion. Like what do you what do you think of that with her? Um. So Alexa Bliss has a great character. You know, she definitely cuts a solid promo. Uh, her in ring skills yeah. are just there. You know what I mean? She's not horrible. She's not good. She's just um, I just tend to think that you know we kind of caught lightning in a bottle when it came to women's wrestling when uh, you know Sasha and Bailey Charlotte were coming through the door um, and and Becky too I guess to be to be fair and I think that as a result they they were so good for you know a period of roughly a year that we now have unrealistic expectations of what that division can do there just aren't enough good women's wrestlers on the roster to make it interesting on a week-by-week basis. And um, I don't know if we're ever going to get back there again. If I had to guess, I would say we will not get back there again. James? I don't disagree with anything you really said. Like, I, uh, except for... Oh, stop it. Listen, this is not nearly as fun when we're agreeing about Sorry. everything. 
He says, stop it. This is not nearly as fun when we're agreeing about everything. But I'm not the one that disagrees with you. That's rich normally. Like, I'm not, I, I'm, I am the reasonable one. Like, I don't know if, like, the fact that I'm standing next to rich makes you think, like, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm an extremist. Yeah, yeah, you know, you over here with me on the extreme. You, you see this afro, you know? <laughs> I take stuff for what it is, and like I, I do have my ideas of what stuff could be. But for the most part, like I take it for what's on television, and then I grade it on the curve of what's WWE television. Uh, for the most part, um, don't get me wrong. Like I'll still nitpick it to death, and, like if I find something to be funnier or, or or something that just doesn't jive with like my sensibilities. But for the most part, like I think, yeah, like she's pretty. You know, she's more or less on par with what the WWE average woman wrestler is in the ring. I think she has a she does better promos than pretty much everybody this side of like heel Sasha Banks and but like for me it's just like I'm just I'm just so tired of like chicken shit heels like I, I just I just am um so but like for me as far as the uh back to what I was saying like I agree with what you said except for the part where it's like they don't have enough women wrestlers to do that it's like well I mean they just did have a, a women's tournament with a bunch of women that can work that can work and you can pick and they were like five, six, seven, eight that like based on what they're looking for or what we've heard they've always been looking for for all this time like there's no reason why they're not signed to WWE but only like less than a handful did and I find that to be weird yeah yeah um, but yeah, man. Um, you know, James and I went out to the Ring of Honor show last week. Uh, I got to actually talk to Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks, and uh, shout out to those guys. Kenny Omega gave us a drop from One Nation Radio, which was one of the highlights of my uh, wrestling fandom. Um, <laughs> what, did, what did you make of being at the Ring of Honor show? And Dave, I'm going to tell you this: you're going to die laughing. Like we, <laughs> when when uh, Josh and uh, Jeremy were with me in line, I was like, "Look, bro, it's him." Like, you know, it, it's literally, that's the guy. And they're like, who? I was like, the IWC. It's him right there. Like, like you know, you, you got your big bearded guys and, you know, it. you had to be there. But it was a, uh, it, it was a fun show. James, what did you make of that show? Um, I feel like I saw a good Jay Lethal match. I saw a couple other good matches. I remember I, got, I showed up late. Because I normally show up late to everything. I think you only missed um, two matches, but okay, you... I think I missed. I think you said I missed one match, but I saw I saw good wrestling. I just thought that I was there too long. Yeah, it was a TV taping, so like it was over four four weeks. Cody Rhodes is a lot taller in real life than um than you think he is uh, when I walk by him. Um, Kenny Omega is a lot more jacked than you think he is, uh, and also the Young Bucks are a little bit taller than than you think they are. Uh, not not Matt, but Nick. Um, but yeah, man. Um, yeah, I, I enjoyed myself uh, plentiful, plenty. Uh, we, we got uh, in a good section with, with fans that we um, ended up talking to and, and, and kicking it with for a couple hours. Aside from this one guy that rolled up out of nowhere, and he was definitely drunk, and he was out there trying to like two sweet people and hug people. It was like, nah, bro. Like you, um, <laughs> like we're not here for, for for whatever you're trying to do right now. Like at first, I thought there was something wrong with him, but. What turned out to be wrong with him was that he he was severely inebriated. Um, but yeah, man. Uh, yeah, got, yeah, go ahead. I knew he was drunk in the beginning, and he was like, "I was like, yeah, let me too sweet so you can get the fuck out my face." Um, 
And then, like, he starts, like, all of a sudden, he's, like, a woman that was sitting in the row in front of me, like, he puts his hand on her shoulder, and I'm, like, dude, this this ain't a good look right now, given where we at right now. We're just, nah, bruh, that, that's strange. That's, like, that is real stranger danger. Yes. <laughs> you need to go. You need to go. You got to go. Yes. Um, he, actually got, he actually got ejected out of the pain, actually. Yeah, he, he did. Um, final, final thoughts. Um, Dave, Jinder Mahal is no longer champion, and that was your guy. Uh, summarize his reign for me and, and tell me why I, I should I should look at this in a more fond light um, than I do because I have not gone on an extended rant. I am saving it for our One Nation Radio awards that are at the end of the year. He has pretty much locked up our IWC award this year, and you know I plan on unleashing the fury then. But tell the people what what, what Jinder Mahal did for wrestling this year and in uh, and why you stood behind him so hard. Um. Oh, first off. Standing behind him so hard is, is relative, right? So I was already talking about how I thought the rain needed to, to, to end before it actually happened. Uh, the, the articles the articles out there, you, you can go read that. But what he did is he provided a bridge and a ton of talking points at a time where we were usually just not talking about the product in the same way that we, we normally do. Um, I don't think he was the best champ that ever existed. He was definitely far from the worst. Um, I think that SmackDown in general was a dumpster fire. And that Randy Orton was a far worse champion this year than Jinder Mahal was. He actually got Randy Orton's best world title matches out of him this year, which is staggering to me. Um, <laughs> it's hard to really lose Steven Torch. I can't say um, anything. You know, I, I think that by the time the last Orton match happened, none of the Nakamura matches worked at all. Um, so, you know, it ran out of legs. But for the first, I don't know, three, four months, I would say it was pretty solid. I, I I just won't. I, I just can't give in, man. I just you know. Uh, I saw the two star matches on pay per view. I saw the Punjabi prison, which was just. I'm shocked. I still have 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 retained eyesight since since that night. Um, and it was just. Wait, it, can we pause for a second? Hold on. Was it or was it not the best Punjabi prison match of all time? I haven't seen the other two. Okay. So I agree with you that it was not a good match, but it was by far the best version of that gimmick so, that's ever happened. So I rated it. A, the- I rated it a negative one, right? Dave Meltzer well, rated it a half star. At that point, though, there, there's a there's a difference. You were just angry at that point. It was probably a two star match of a really good. No way. Um, no way. <laughs> no way. Listen, that would have been a two star match <laughs> if you like. If that was those other thirty one minutes are so terrible. That's a gimmick that's impossible to do anything with. Literally impossible to do anything worthwhile with. So I agree with you. It, it was not a good match, but. It was. Uh, it was definitely there. Was, there was not nothing work with the ceiling was ridiculously low anyway. So but, Meltzer you know, gave it a those two matches with Orton, especially the one in St. Louis, were, were really good. Honestly, they really were. And I mean, you know, the thing is, are people talking or are they not? And 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 social media was a buzz when he was champion. There have been far worse representations as champion than Ginger Mahal, and I think at some point when you're not so angry about it, you look back and be like, this wasn't good, but it really wasn't that bad either. So, like, I was saying Meltzer gave it a half star, and I gave it a negative one. So you're saying that the other two Punjabi prison matches, like, are possibly in the negative one or worse range. They're really bad. Man. You gotta understand something. Two, two stars coming from me is, like, a really low rating, though. So, you know, two stars for me might be, like, a star, you know, one and a half or one star from somebody else. I think if you're, like, looking at some of my ratings this year, I've been relatively, like, high. 
like compared to like some other folks. Like, man, I read Tito's column last night. He was brutal, brutal on, on, uh, on NXT. Yeah, he's an angry dude, though. James, Dave. Dave, James, hello. Yeah, he's yeah, there. So I got, so I gotta ask you. So, um, I remember when you actually wrote your column saying that uh, that it was gender's time to come off the belt, and it, it and. I believe, I I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but most of your reason behind it was you felt that historically, you look at the the length of the reign, most most of those reigns uh, that he was coming up were like some of the best uh, of the era, right? Uh, That was one of my points uh, as far as why I thought it was time that, you know, it had gone on too long and that there weren't enough people to put 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 against him to keep it interesting. Yeah. Like, I, I remember at the time reading it, I was thinking to myself, well, like, if his whole thing is because, like, it, it jives against, like, what is some of the historical precedent, then, like, why should that matter? Because Jinder being the champion is, like, it bucks up against all historical precedent. <laughs> so, I was, so like, I was, wonder, I was wondering, like, I mean, and I'm not, you know, like, for me, I think Jinder, like, they sent him, I feel like they've done nothing but, like, send Jinder out there to, to go, say, hey, we're gonna make we're gonna make it a champion. You go out there and you figure it out and on the job and game on the job training, which I think is you know as I said before, like I like guys that are overqualified as opposed to guys that have to show and prove because like you know I, I feel like I feel like you're setting people up for failure in that in that situation. So like I was wondering like is that something you took into account as like the gender something like the gender rate is something we've never seen before. So like. Should we not? Should we just not? Should we just not even try to judge that um, in a vacuum and just judge it with the context of like we're basically out here off the reservation anyway? So like, who knows what's going to happen? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a fair point. SmackDown was in a really weird spot this year. I mean, you know, they were they were rolling along for a while last year, and like long before Jinder became champion, they had huge fundamental issues. So. Um, you know, I mean, the fact that they went down this direction was far from the most offensive thing that happened on SmackDown this year. There were really just a lot of problems. They've slowly fixed a lot of their problems, and uh, I think that we're in for a relatively good year on the SmackDown side coming up. But I think to just blame Jinder for all of the problems is is unfair to, to, to the situation. I can blame him for them title matches, though. Listen, some of them were big. There was two really bad ones. Here's the thing, okay? Two really bad ones. What? The Punjabi prison match. No, there were two really bad title matches. The Punjabi prison match was bad. Okay, no getting around it. The Nakamura match at SummerSlam was horrible. Yes, that was one of the worst title matches of all time. But a lot of that's on Nakamura too, because Nakamura hasn't had a good match since he got to the WWE on pay per view. Every pay per view match he's had has been fucking horrible. And um, he's been you know, booked I, into I oblivion. You've got to look at both in, in that side of things. But like I said, listen, Jinder did have some good matches. I don't I don't know why you're not willing to admit that the match where he won the title and then the match in St. Louis against Orton were both good matches. Were they five-star classics? Or, I'm sorry, Kenny Omega six-star classics? No, they were not that. But they uh, they were respectable efforts. Um, hey, man, AJ Styles ain't even Kenny Omega, him. so that's, like, not even a joke. Like, so... <laughs> When when you stack it up against other you know title matches and other runs, you'll find other ones that were far more offensive, and far worse than that. 
Well, I'll leave it there. Um, you know, like you guys can judge for yourselves. Go to the tape. Um, you know, you can you can watch. You know, both Jinder Mahal and um, Nakamura matches. You can watch uh, the Randy Orton match where, actually, the match I'll give you that was good with Orton was the one that um, was not on pay per view. The one that was on SmackDown. And, and Orton ended up getting his win back after, you know, losing three times. And the crowd was, like, really hot for Jinder because they were in his home country of Canada. And, you know, it, it, things, were, things were just, you know, a little bit up. And also the, um, the match where he lost the title to AJ Styles. You know, I think that was more of an AJ Styles-like masterpiece. But, I mean, he's got to stand there, you know, and, and be present for it. So, um, you know... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man. Um, I, I will. I will unleash my full, um, you know, synopsis of that, you know, reign with the IWC War because I, I don't see anything else as close. Um, but yeah, man, Dave. I want to thank you for coming on the show with us today. Like, uh, you know, where can we reach you in um, in everything? You can always find me on Facebook, David Fenichel. You can find me on uh, Twitter at FF Fight League. Um, I'm pretty easy to find. I'm always happy to chat. And uh, look forward to talking to some of you guys soon. Yeah, man. Uh, James, any, any final thoughts? Uh, no, I think, you know, how long has this podcast been going on? I think we've said it. I think we've said it all that can be said. Until done it all. Get to the pay-per-view. Yeah, uh, man. Yeah, done, done it all, yeah. Yeah. So I think, uh, I, yeah, I think, uh, I think everything's been said and need to be said. Um, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at jamesboyd87. Uh, and... You know that—that's all I got. I'm and, out. And Dave has a um, Royal Rumble um, column series coming up soon that uh, James and I will both be contributing to, and we'll have Dave on a little closer to Royal Rumble to um, go over uh, some of that list. Uh, a little bit different than a tournament uh, this time because I feel like the matches are so similar; it would be hard to tournament them. But um, yeah, uh, make sure you guys check out the rest of the uh, Social Suplex Network uh, podcast network um, lineup. We got the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show that just started. Um, Good Brothers out of Scotland. Uh, also, the SMC Podcast. Follow them at the SMC Podcast, and as well as you know, One Nation Radio. Um, you look like you're confused, James. What's up? You said they're from where? They're from Scotland. They're from where? Scotland. They're from. They're not from Scotland, man. They're from the Scot. Like, <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're from the Scot. Okay. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, but but uh, you guys can check out the uh, the YouTube channel. There's One Nation Wrestling. Like all that stuff is on there, um, as well as socialsuplex.com. Lattice Lariat, the Mailbag Edition just dropped uh, that I put out. Uh, if you want to, you know, read questions folks sent in to me, I want to say it's about 15 or so. Well over 2,300 words. Not too short for 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 some of those people that like to count words like hoes. Um, <laughs> you know, and Dave knows what I'm talking about here, but um, they, um, you know, you can you can check all that stuff out on socialsuplex.com and also I, I everything would else. comment further on that, Rich, but I'm just here so I don't get fined. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yes, um, you know, so. Uh, since Dave is no longer welcome, uh, is Dave is banned for life. Essentially, I, I will go ahead and, and continue my heel turn. Um, you know, in in those parts. But um, yeah, you can uh, make sure you subscribe and rate the show. And uh, thank you guys for listening. All right, guys, this was fun. Thanks for having me. Peace, man. Later. <laughs>